Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. This week, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Chris and Kelly from Birth Choice. Birth Choice is a crisis pregnancy center in West Tennessee. As we mentioned in this episode, the topic of conversation you're about to hear is one of the most gridlocked spaces in American discourse. And I just want to name that on the front end because I recognize that the audience of this podcast is is large enough to represent a wide range of opinions, uh, some of them quite visceral on this issue. So there are two ways that this conversation may be difficult for you. The first way is that you might disagree with 90% of what's said. The other way is that you might resonate so strongly with what's said that it's emotionally painful. This is a high-risk, high-reward kind of conversation where you kind of get out of it what you put into it. Now, when I sit down uh, each week and listen to what my guests have to say, I try to assume that they know something I don't, and that seems to work out pretty well. I'd like to offer that mindset to you because you're a listener also, and no matter which side of the political cesspool you fall on, I think there are things here you can draw value from. So, as always, leave a review, leave a rating, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for any reason, um, you can find the email address in the show notes. All right, enjoy. Y'all ready? I think so. You need right. these microphones yeah, to close, yeah, right? Yeah, closer the okay. better. I mean, don't eat it or anything, but closer the better. <laughs> well, if we got too far past lunchtime, that could be a <laughs> yeah. problem. It might be. <laughs> that'll, that'll, be the, uh, that'll be the sign that it's time to end. There you go. Yeah. Chris, right. stop licking the yeah. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for joining me today. Mm, I thank really you. appreciate thank it. You. y'all want to introduce yourselves? We can. That, that might sure. be the best way to get started. Yeah. You go first, Kelly. Okay. I'm Kelly Wall, and I'm the clinic director of our Gibson County office, which is located in Trenton, Tennessee. And I live in Milan, and I attend Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson. And I'm married, have two children and four grandchildren. All right. So. And I'm Chris Vitato. I serve as the clinic director in Jackson, Tennessee, Birth Choice of Jackson. And I'm certainly not going to tell my age. What all did you share? Okay, I'm married to... <laughs> not my age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to... I have uh, three wonderful children and four wonderful grandchildren. And that's really the only important thing you need to know. <laughs> it's the important things in life. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Kelly, you were telling me before I hit record that you toggle back and forth between multiple towns. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Trenton serving Gibson County three days a week, and then in Jackson doing corporate uh, work one to two days a week. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm back and forth. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I wanted to talk with y'all today is because y'all are with Birth Choice. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I grew up in West Tennessee, so I've known birth choice exists. I've known about it. I grew up not far from one of the buildings. Um, but I don't think I've ever set foot inside the building. I don't know a whole lot about the details. And, and I suspect that actually 
that's probably a lot of people's experience in West Tennessee. A lot of people probably know that y'all exist and that y'all are doing good work, but might not know a lot of the details and a lot of the stories. So I thought it might be fun to sit down with y'all and, and mm-hmm. see what goes on over there. Um, uh, my, most of my experience, and again, I think this is pretty normal, is that we, we know about the, the baby bottle fundraiser <laughs> yeah. that happens every uh, yeah. year. Absolutely. That's kind of our interaction yeah. with birth choice. Okay. Um, so maybe we could start there. What is birth choice and, and what do y'all do? Well, Birth Choice opened its doors in 1989. Okay. And Connor, I'm going to guess that might be um, around your birth date or under. What is it? <laughs> I, I did not exist at that point. I figured as much. I yeah. figured as much. That's true. Uh, we actually um, began um, because our founder and our CEO, Brent Lambert, he and his wife, Beverly, um, they were trying to adopt children. And um, they went from adoption agency to adoption agency and totally bewildered, scratching their heads saying, I don't understand why we would have to go on this long waiting list for a baby. And finally, they asked one of the agencies, "Um, why do we have to wait so long for a baby? I think they kind of thought you might walk in and pick out a baby and take it home, you know? And and, um, they were told, well, frankly, Mr. and Mrs. Lambert, it's because of abortion. Um, just not very many infants um, available, and so there will be a waiting list. Well, both Brent and Beverly then went home, and apart from one another, and then came, they came together to discuss, they were really weighted down and burdened by the fact that so many women were aborting their children, and they would love nothing more than to give um, a child a home because they were unable to have kids at that time. And so yeah. um, so they began to pray about it, and then as they began to talk together, they realized, we've got to do something. And so they approached their pastor, uh, which was at Woodland Baptist Church, mm-hmm. um, actually the Jackson uh, office uh, birth choice is right there next to the church. Right. <clears throat> they um, went to their pastor and said, <clears throat> "Excuse me, you're good." They said, uh, um, "We would love to have a place where women could come who are experiencing unplanned pregnancies and even unwanted pregnancies, where we could help them make decisions for life, if uh-huh. at all possible." And that was sort of their introduction to pregnancy center work. Back then, we were called crisis pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we deal with even now every day. But um, they, um, together and with the pastor's help and some of the deacons, they, they were operating like the authority over birth choice. We were allowed to use a building on their property, which is where Birth Choice of Jackson still is today. Right. And um, we had um, a man come in and train a lot of ladies. I remember I signed that first list um, where you, it just, it was on the bulletin board at church. I happened to go to church there as well. And I knew Brenton Beverly uh, from church. And so they put a list up. Are you interested in working at a crisis pregnancy center volunteering and I thought, well, yeah, I, I think I would like to do something like that because I think abortion's a terrible thing. And yeah, yeah. And so I was in that first group 
that actually w- were trained to be what we now call client advocates to work with the women God sends to us. So that was back in 1989, a long time ago, a long time ago <laughs> yes. Um, I was in that first group 30 okay. years ago. Okay. Um, I was only three at the time. No, I was very, very young. <laughs> um, no, I, I won't tell how old I am, but I, I will say that I had my youngest child was three and a half, and she's now 34. So so there was someone three. Th- yeah, there was someone. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't me. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we began, and that first week I was there, and I remember being a very terrified uh, volunteer, mm-hmm. scared to death. I think I, I, I think I was expecting we would open the doors and the sidewalks would be lined with women wanting to come in and, and get counsel for sure. their you know crisis pregnancy. It, it didn't start that quickly. It took a little while, but it was over the first two or three years, we were astounded with how many clients mm-hmm. we were seeing. We were offering them free pregnancy <clears throat> testing at the time. Um, all those years ago, um, home pregnancy tests were really not heard of. If you could get okay. one, they were very, very expensive. When um, did they start to become more more well, I would say in the last 15, 20 yeah. years anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. But way back then, if you could get them, it would be very, very expensive. And so we offered those tests free of charge. That was really the draw to have the ladies come to us. We could we could see if they were actually pregnant or not. Yeah. And um, now, sadly, they I don't know, sadly or not, they can go to the Dollar Tree and get them for a yeah. dollar, and they're pretty mm-hmm. accurate. Sure. So it's very different now. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. that's kind of how we got started. Okay. Um, and, and let me add this. I always like to add this because Brent and Beverly did go on to adopt two children. Okay. And then found out they were pregnant and they had two more biological mm-hmm. children. So they have, God grew their family. But the neat thing about that whole story was that I, I truly believe God opens and closes the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, and for... Um, they experienced a lot of pain during those years of infertility, and, and, and um, yet God used that in a mighty way yeah. to bring about birth choice, who is now, birth choice has seen hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of children saved from abortion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, what a wonderful thing. Yep. Yeah, but, it's got to be encouraging to look back now yeah. and mm-hmm. see Absolutely. maybe what was going on that you couldn't see in the moment. That's right. Yeah. That's okay, right. so... Are we talking about is this a is this a technically a medical organization or is this counseling or how would you classify this? Well, now we're both. Yeah. Okay. We are. Okay. But you might talk a little bit about. Yeah. How well, we we're we are a medical clinic. Uh huh. Um, we do offer medical services. We have um, medical staff um, that operate under a physician's license um, that that gives them the okay to do. The pregnancy testing, sure. and now which now both all of our offices um, use ultrasound um, to show the life of the baby in, inside the womb. Yeah, so they operate under the physician's license. We do have two uh, medical staff: is our director of nursing Kim Mayer, uh-huh. and our assistant director of nursing, which is Gwenda Flippin, for our Gibson County office, and they both do ultrasound. They both do pregnancy testing, and then they have volunteer nurses, RNs, or RDMSs who serve underneath them um, who also do either a support nurse 
um, which they come in, they run pregnancy tests, they answer medical questions, they meet with the clients, um, or they train to do ultrasound. Uh-huh. So we, we have several medical staff. And we have offered those medical services for 19 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started in 2000. Including ultrasound? Yes, that's what we've been mm-hmm. offering. Now, we did what was called self-testing uh-huh. um, the, when we first opened in 1989. But um, I guess the best thing to do is share what happened. Um, we would see... With a woman that would come in, she would find out she we offered the 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 free pregnancy testing. She would find out she was pregnant. And just for us to come alongside her and offer her support through her pregnancy, we saw so many women changing their mind. We would show them pictures maybe of their unborn babies and help them understand the humanity of their child. And that made such a huge difference to these women, just that they weren't alone and somebody would walk through the pregnancy with them. So it was that was huge. And we saw 75 to 80% of the women back then, before we ever had medical services, we saw them changing their mind and choosing life, which was mm-hmm. awesome. But then as we went into the mid to late 90s, we began to see our statistics dropping and dropping, and we got down to only about 50, 48 to 50 percent of the women were changing their mind, and then, and we were just kind of throwing up our hands. We didn't know why, and then we went to a conference in Colorado Springs held at Focus on the Family. I don't know if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. them or not. A little bit, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Keep going. I'm going to close this door while you're talking real quick. That's fine. Um, and we went to this conference, and we heard about something brand new coming on over the horizon for crisis pregnancy centers. And it was um, the crisis pregnancy centers who were just lay people, but now they w- we were going to have medical services we could offer because we were going to have medical personnel. And that's when we learned about ultrasound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... We actually, I don't, you probably don't remember Dr. James Dobson, but he was the one that, that he was the president of Focus on the Family for many, many years. And one night we had an open night mic at this particular meeting and we got to ask any kind of question. And someone came to the microphone and you have to understand there was probably 500 pregnancy centers out there uh, represented. Yeah. And he said, this woman came to the mic and she said, Dr. Dobson, we don't understand. We're still doing everything just like we did it before in years past, but we're seeing fewer women change their mind and choose life. Why is that? And he asked for a show of hands almost across the room. Our hands went up for sure. Almost across the room. This is what we saw. And he said, well, these, this is, this is what I think. He said, we have entered into such, um, a different culture now, a culture of death. And um, he didn't give this quote, but I'll throw this in. Francis Schaeffer, um, a theologian, an apologist, he once in the late 60s made a statement that I thought was so powerful. And this was just before Roe v. Wade was going to legalize abortion in 1973. Okay. Um, Francis Schaeffer, late 60s, he said, if America ever sanctions the killing of their unborn children, we will begin a downward spiral from which we will never recover. And on the other side of that is infanticide. We're seeing that even today. Mm -hmm. Even today. He was almost, Francis Schaeffer was almost a prophet Mm -hmm. with that. Those words were very Mm -hmm. true. And so Dr. Dobson says, well, we've entered a time now. It's just 
dark. Women are aborting their babies by the millions, but they are, I mean, sometimes they're giving birth in locker rooms and, and bathrooms and at the prom and just, just, just putting the babies in trash bins. Mm -hmm. Um, We just, we live in an era of violence and Mm -hmm. blood and death. And And it's ironic because there are other parts of our life that is that are way more civilized than oh, they've yeah. ever been before. You're exactly like right. Public, That's true. Public sanitation. Oh yeah. Um, the death rate after birth is way better than it's right. ever been. Infant mortality mm-hmm. is it's way yeah. it's great. It's dropped to to just very little. Right. But, oh right. my goodness. Um, this choice given to women, um, and you know, here's the thing: if you are under the age, 46 or under, you were born into a country where you never knew when it was mm-hmm. n- illegal. Sure. Um, abortion has been legal all those yeah. years. And so we have created a culture of death. And I think, mm-hmm. I think we hear, I've heard this, and I think it's very true, in the 60s, um, there was this sexual revolution, and it was huge. It literally was a revolution. Mm-hmm. It was not like a skirmish it was a revolution. It, we overturned so many laws, and abortion became legal to deal with unwanted pregnancies that were coming out of the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. Let me just get rid of the consequences of my sexual freedom. You know, and that's when yeah. we entered yeah. in all these programs of safe sex, contraception to prevent pregnancy. But if it doesn't, you can get an abortion, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just very, very tragic. So anyway, back to the story of, and, and I'm going to shut mm-hmm. up in a minute, but... No, this is great. This, she really won't. This went... <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't. I'll, t- I'll try to be good. Yeah, it makes you a good podcast guest. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I won't leave many, you know, blank spaces yeah. on air. That's great. Yeah, silence. Um so um, anyway, what we learned was about this new thing where pregnancy centers were converting to medical models, becoming medical clinics, including ultrasound, which has to be performed by medical personnel. So at that time, um, we were in the first 100 centers across the nation to begin ultrasound. And by mm-hmm. 2000. By 2000, 2001, we had ultrasound in place, and um, the women were able to come to birth choice and not just hear about their unborn children. Mm -hmm. They could actually see them through the technology of ultrasound. And those statistics I told you that were dropping very low, ultrasound then, we began to see them go up, 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 and up, because a picture's worth a thousand words. It really is. Mm -hmm. And a moving picture is worth more than that when they see their own baby in their womb. So... Um, yeah. Well, we and you, the, you can also hear the heartbeat, too. Well, that heartbeat and the um, their baby moving, they're seeing it's not just a blob of tissue. Right. That's that's what they were being sold down the, whatever that expression, yeah. what is it sold well, and you, And you know that because, you know, all the ladies who get an ultrasound, we give them like an exit survey. Mm-hmm. We yes. do this with all of our clients. Okay. And they will say, oh, it's really a baby. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's not just a blob. I mean, so they were actually believing the lie that's put out there that it's not a baby. It's not a yeah. human life. Yeah. Um, and they're surprised when they see it. 
Um, so yeah. So well, I, yes. I I have a uh, a four month old son, and I remember when we went to the ultrasound appointment, mm-hmm. and as as a guy, even even with my wife and I, you know, we we believe that that life is in the womb, mm-hmm. but as a guy to see a, an image of mm-hmm. my child that early on mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm. So. So I, I completely relate to what you're talking yeah. about mm-hmm. with with the sensory experience of that person on the other side of the screen. That's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. So, what happened other than okay? So other than Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. what what have been some things that have sent us in this direction of abortion becoming normalized? So I'm thinking maybe language change is a big one. Sure, it is. Uh, uh, pro-abortion doesn't sound very good. Right. Pro-choice, pro-choice sounds great. Yeah. That's a very mm-hmm. positive mm-hmm. Um, way to express death. And also mm-hmm. using the word fetus. Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. from, yes. It's a sterile you know, kind of word. It is, it is sterile, but ironically, um, it's Latin for mm-hmm. young one. Yep. The word fetus is. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's, it makes it clinical. Yeah. And it makes yeah. it cold. And we use the word your baby a whole lot at Virtual yeah, because sure. that's exactly sure. what we're talking yeah, about sure. is, is this woman's baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can see if you compare videos of certain politicians one year and then the next year, you can see the language change. It's a very Absolutely. intentional change over time Yes, mm-hmm. to, to, get a, to get a specific point across with that's a particular right, agenda yeah. in mind. So, it is. To get, to get yeah. you to look at it different, Yeah, to not yeah. see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. So where does Tennessee stand now in terms of abortion laws and, I guess, adoption laws also? Well, um, the, the different states, right? all of our states, um, are, are, you've, if you've watched the news, you see the different, the heartbeat laws that oh, are being yeah. passed. Yeah. Or um, then you look at, it goes all the way from, no abortion, and it, if it's after a heartbeat can be detected, well, that's very early on in just six days. Weeks. Is it six uh, weeks? No, I don't think it's that far. I think it's, I mean, I think it's earlier. Okay. Um, well, I have 27, seen that. 28 days. Mm-hmm. It's very, oh, okay. wow. very oh, yeah. early. Yeah. So that would get, that would do away with many, many abortions. But then on the other hand, you see what New York just did right. earlier this mm-hmm. year, right. and you can abort full-term babies. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting also in different places in the United States that if that child is unwanted and you accidentally waited too long for your abortion, well, you shouldn't have to um, be saddled with a child you don't want. Now, mm-hmm. the thing that is so ironic about that, that New York law is that they would kill the child at full term, why would it be that hard with all the couples waiting to adopt? And it's millions and millions of couples that would long to adopt a child. Why can't you just say, we're just going to take this child and we're going to give this child to a couple who would take care of it? Because, I mean, it's just being born. So we'll do that with those children. Uh Uh-huh. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's Rationalization crazy. is really hard to understand. It is. Mm-hmm. It's and it's tragic um, when you think about that. Yeah. That it's almost like it, it's and it is some the same mentality some of our clients have mm-hmm. when we we offer 
adoption as an option, a wonderful adoption. I mean, a wonderful option to adoption. Right. Well, I'll say it in a minute. The wonderful option of adoption is uh-huh. what I'm trying to say. Um, we offer that to all of our clients who are considering abortion when they come in, but very few choose mm-hmm. that. And it's it's really boils down to a very selfish reason. If I can't have my baby, nobody can have my baby. And that's kind of what we're seeing um, with these in New York now, for example. Now, other states mm-hmm. have already been doing full-term abortions, some yeah. states. It's not like that was... I think that's unheard of. People don't realize that that's yes. actually been been going on for years. Oh, well, ever since um, Roe v. Yeah. Wade. Sure, but well, actually, Doe v. Bolton was right. the, the made case abortion. It's just becoming louder. Yeah, well, it is, and yeah. so several states have kept that right. um, law of full term abortions. But or yeah, but um, New York just was very in your face about it. Yeah. They hit social media. Mm-hmm. And they did it on the anniversary, the 46th anniversary right. of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. It was very intentional, yeah, yeah, and very in your in your face. Yeah, it's it's a it's an issue that's become kind of gridlocked. Mm-hmm. There are certain issues in American politics today that it's a sta- it's a stalemate, it's a standstill, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it seems like it's going to be extremely difficult for either side to get anywhere because Mm -hmm. there's so much gridlock and Mm -hmm. abortion seems to be one of those areas. It is. Go ahead. And I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, as tragic as that is, you know, I do believe as we've seen, they've awakened a sleeping giant. Absolutely. So to speak. In in what way? (laughs) In in the pro-life movement. There's a huge momentum right now. That's right. Okay. Um, With the states coming forward. That's right. All um, the states now are coming out going, You know, we will never do this. In fact, let's yeah. do this. So and people make are more abort- aware. That's exactly yeah. right. Plus, that sleeping giant, to be honest, I think they've awakened the church yeah. who was a mm-hmm. sleeping giant mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I can't even describe to you how our volunteerism is shot through the roof, yeah. how our donations mm-hmm. have shot through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Well, this is a this is a civil rights issue. Yes. This yeah. is yeah, this is this is the most important issue in American politics today. It is. Far. And but to be honest, I, yeah, it's a political issue, but it's far more a yeah. theolo- theological issue. Okay. It really, really okay. is. Well, if let's you talk about think that. About that yeah. One simple statement I can make, that baby in any woman's womb was created in the very image of God. Mm-hmm. That is why abortion is wrong at any time in a woman's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. No exceptions with rape or incest or um, something's like a fetal anomaly, something's going to be wrong with the child. Mm-hmm. Um, how you have to ask the question if the reason abortion is wrong most of the time is because those babies are created in the very image of God, how are those children no. created under adverse circumstances? How are they any less created in the image of God? God says, thou shalt not kill my image bearers. So that's where we are. It's a theological issue at the root of all of it. And I don't know that Roe v. Wade will ever be overturned politically. We don't know. We pray that it will. Sure, We don't know. But what we're doing at Birth Choice is working with these women, um, helping them to see their children in the womb, 
helping them to understand the humanity of their child, helping them to understand they're not going to be a mother. They already are a mother yeah. if as soon as that baby was conceived in, in their womb. And as we help them do that, and probably most importantly, um, we're going to present the gospel to each and every one of these women that come into birth choice. Yeah. And you know, the neat thing is, I think I went into birth choice thinking I'm coming to save the babies. That was my intent thirty over 30 years ago. But I learned very quickly that that our ministry, while it's faith-based and Christ-centered, it is woman-focused. Mm-hmm. We can't make that decision for any woman. Mm-hmm. But if we can express to her the love of Christ and we can share the truth of the gospel with her, may not she may not come to know Christ as her Savior, but if you, if you can reach the heart of the woman— You've got the baby, and that's a pretty cool thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. so let's say there's there's a young woman who comes to your to your clinic who is scared, um, and she doesn't believe the same things that y'all believe about mm-hmm. when life begins. Mm-hmm. How do you convince her otherwise? Well, first of all, we don't convince her. I mean, we can't convince her because only the Holy Spirit can do that in her. Okay. Um, So she will come, and what we do is more to empower her. You know, she comes, she's in crisis. You know, all of us have been in a crisis moment probably in our lives. It may not have been an unplanned pregnancy. Um, Some of us, that's been the case. Um, But we've been in crisis, and really that's the only place you can focus is that crisis. I've got to do something. i got to do something with this. i got to fix it. So she comes in, um, and we just take her in, and we just we love her. We care for her. Um, we present her with all of her options, including, okay. you know, abortion. Okay. Although we don't offer abortions and we don't refer for them, but we do sit down with them and walk them through all of their options. You know, go over the abortion procedures with her. You know, what risks are involved? We talk to her about adoption. You know, um, we give her referrals um, for adoption. And then we talk to her about parenting. Um, you know, so she, she has all these options. And what we do is we come alongside her and just get her to breathe for a moment. Um, just kind of, you know, look outside the tunnel sure. because it's kind of tunnel vision mm-hmm. um, and get her to kind of look outside that for a minute. Um, it, give her an ultrasound. Let her see the life of that baby inside of her. And ultimately, she has to choose which decision is going to be best for her life. Which one is she going to be able um, to live the rest of her life with? Um, And that's really all that we do. And so much of it is just led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just led. He's the one God impresses upon her heart whether she's going to choose life for that baby or not. Sure. Um, so really that through our services, you know, we just, we love her, we care for her, we present her with her options, which empowers her to make an informed decision of what she's going to do with, with the life of this pregnancy. Um, and then oftentimes if the father's there, um, we'll, we'll pull him in, uh, father of the baby, or, you know, if there's parents there with her, friends there with her, you know, we have a unique opportunity um, to be able to minister whole as a whole you know a lot of times with either family or friends or the father of the baby or aunts uncles um so it's a pretty unique 
um, thing that we do there at Birth Choice. So through all these things, and then she will make a decision of what she's going to choose. That's right. You know, we we talk about this a lot in our training of our new volunteers, Um, but we, we remind them so many times they're so scared going in to work with their first client. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to equip them, but their best equipping is going to be their relationship with Jesus Christ and their understanding of the Word of God. Um, for that reason, that's why we recruit women from our local churches. And um, But then we, we want to be able to, to bring that young woman into the room and then this... Um, client advocate, that that's what we call them, will sit down across from, from her and begin to, as Kelly said, explain to her, op, to, explain to her, her options. Right. Um, and she does have only three. Every woman has three. And she may choose um, to parent. And a lot of our women are coming in. Um, they're mm-hmm. excited to come in to find out that they're pregnant. They do want um, to parent their child. And a lot of times we have other programs we offer them when they want to, to parent. But for that other woman that is indecisive right now um, about her pregnancy, yes, we share what Kelly told you. But we remind our trainees, our new client advocates that are going to go in and sit with that girl one-on-one, we remind them, you know what, um, you can't go into that room. Yes, you're going to share the gospel with her, but you can't go into that room and choose Christ for her. You can't. Mm. Sure. That's way above your pay grade. Right. That's the business of the Holy Spirit, and, mm. and that's the business. That's God's business. So you can't go in there with the idea you're going to save her soul, and you can't go into that room with the idea you're going to save her baby either. Only that woman can make the choice yep. for her baby and for her soul. I mean, that's going to be between her and God. That's God's doing. And so that helps uh, helps the new trainees to relax a little bit sure. when they realize, oh, I'm not supposed to be trying to make her choose life or choose Christ. That's not my job. But their job, they have a job, a very real job. They ha- are very responsible to go in and share truth with that young woman. Truth about her unborn baby, yes, but also about the gospel and Christ mm-hmm. who died for her. Mm-hmm. And um, we plant those seeds, and, and we leave the rest up to God. Um, and the neat thing is when you are woman-focused like that and yet Christ-centered, um, and you're loving those girls because that's their responsibility too, to give truth in love, that makes all the difference in the world. And we're seeing 75 to 80% of those women changing their mind and choosing life for their unborn children. Um, Kelly mentioned something about exit interviews. Um, I love to read those exit interviews as they come across my desk. It's exciting. Um, We allow them to just circle whether they were treated, you know, how well they were treated and but we give them just an opportunity to write something. If you want to make any comment, go ahead. Yeah, It's shocking to me mm-hmm. how many will take the time to write down, I felt so loved. Mm-hmm. I felt safe at birth mm-hmm. choice. I knew you cared, and I'm so glad you weren't there to judge me. And a lot yeah. of the girls, especially here in the Bible Belt, they know that uh, they go to church, a lot of them. doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're Christians, but they go to church, and they know that they're involved in sexual sin. 86% of our clients 
um, are unmarried. Yeah. And, okay. e- and then even some of those who are married mm-hmm. are considering abortion because this isn't their husband's child. So yeah. we have, you know, and we're dealing with sexual sin there. And so, but we, we, we very lovingly share with them what God's word says about that relationship, about what mm-hmm. God's word says about abortion. And, um, and we pray over them. We pray for them. And the decision mm-hmm. is ultimately their decision. We leave mm-hmm. that to them. But it is amazing how many will change their mind and choose life. You said eighty six percent are single. Yes, are single. Mm-hmm. Okay, of the of the women who come to yes. birth choice. Okay, yes. what other what other statistics do you have on the the, the typical person who comes to see you guys? Um, I think it depends on what office it is. Okay, and that's um, true. Okay, what that's area true. it is? Um, well, I was in preparation for for talking with y'all, I was looking at some abortion statistics mm-hmm. on CDC. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I was surprised by how few I could find. It's actually mm-hmm. hard to find. Mm-hmm. Information and they're probably very there. old. Well, yeah, the, the, the latest I could find was 2015. Yeah. That was as far as uh, that was the most mm-hmm. recent I could mm-hmm. find. Um, and I was surprised that the majority of abortions in 2015 were with women in their twenties. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that it would have been women in their teens. Our average age mm-hmm. at the Gibson County office is going to be younger mm-hmm. than the average age at our Jackson office because they're more rural. Okay. We're more urban. Yeah, that's if really If you want to think of Jackson as a big city, but yeah. it's still, well, we're more urban. For, for around here it is. For yeah. 30 mm-hmm. years, our statistics have remained the same. It is so funny. Yeah. For 30 okay. years at our Jackson office, okay. the average age is 21. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Now we see girls as young as 10 and 11. Sure. Yeah. But we see women as old as... 40, 45. In fact, the, fifth, the oldest one I had was 50, mm-hmm. and uh, she aborted Okay, just because of her age. Yeah. Um, but we've had uh, 10, 11 years old, uh, 11 year olds deliver at the hospital. Wow. But the average age remains 21. Uh-huh. That's at Jackson. What is your average age? Do you know? Um, it's 15 to 19. And this is in Trenton? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so we see a lot of younger clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one thing a lot of people don't understand either is that we see, you know, a wide range, you know, of age, yeah. um, background, um, you know, any, any and every type of client that you could think of, yeah. we see it at birth choice. Yeah, there, there, you really there's can't, no, no st- there's no stereotype. There any is no woman, okay. Any woman in childbearing years uh, has or can have an abortion. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some commonalities sometimes um, that we see in the clients, but um, we do see more women who are middle to upper socioeconomic status mm-hmm. okay. getting abortions. Um, the average age is 21. Where do you think you would find that woman? 21 and middle to upper socioeconomic status. University. Absolutely. Yeah. We have five around several. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's great um, because they are our target audience to reach. Um, and, um, oh, I, go ahead. I've lost my train of thought on that. Well, and with Trenton, you said we're more rural. Yeah. So we don't have the colleges. Um, so we are going to see the younger um, clients there. Um, and, and we're pretty widespread there. Um, in Gibson County. Okay. Um, so we, we see them from all different kind of backgrounds, um, you know, all different kinds of homes. 
you know, people typically think that, oh, that child's coming from a bad home, that girl's coming from a bad home, she's going to choose abortion. And that's just, that's mm-hmm. not truth. No, um, no. It's just not. And we see them from all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah, we see girls, um, I've already told you some of the age differences, but we right. see girls from um, <clears throat> very poor situations. Mm-hmm. Some of them live on the streets. Some of them live in their cars. Some of them live in hotels. We've sent taxi cabs to pick up some of the girls. Yeah. Um, but then we have girls from some of the finest homes in Jackson. I have mm-hmm. sat with a window that overlooks the parking lot at my office for years and years. And uh, there were girls driving up in cars I could never afford, still can't afford, yeah. and talking on cell phones before I even knew what a cell phone was. Um, so some of the finest homes in Jackson, but, you know, also a, a big, we see all ethnicities. We yeah. probably see more African-American in Jackson in an urban setting okay. than she does in a rural. She sees we primarily see Caucasian. Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we see girls with every religious background and no yeah. background as well. We see girls who have never really understood the gospel being presented at all. They're, some some are unchurched completely. It, here in the Bible Belt, which is very surprising, I'd say the majority of our clients do claim that they attend church. But we've had one recently that she had never heard the gospel, mm-hmm. and she didn't really understand who Jesus was and what he did, which to me is you know, being where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very it's unusual, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of these girls, some of them have never heard God's name except used in vain. Yeah. But then we have seen girls uh, come to birth choice who are from the homes of um, pastors, fi- yes, pastors, elders, deacons. In fact, several of our banquet testimonies at our banquet, we've had people share. Um, it's the daughters of pastors mm-hmm. and uh, that shared their mm-hmm. testimony. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No respecter of persons, abortion is. Well, no. I could I could see how you know in in a, in a in today's climate, even for people who consider themselves uh, very religious, mm-hmm. this this is a very confusing time, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. this is this is a very confusing issue. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I could see how people from all backgrounds are just trying to find answers. Mm-hmm. That's right. So well, and you know, for some of the women, if they're coming from Christian homes, um, they've entered into. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, sexual sin. And now if they're pregnant, their sin has found them out. And they secretly want to keep from embarrassing their parents or facing their parents with this information. So we see women um, getting abortions because... To cover up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to to cover up that sin. But also they said, Mm -hmm. my dad's a preacher. My dad's a deacon. Mm -hmm. He's an elder. This would embarrass them terribly. I cannot do this to my parents. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty ironic because you think that, you know, abortion is so widespread. It's legal. You know, we have so many women choosing abortion. But then you would never know who those women are. Mm-hmm. It's also very secretive with those women who have abortions. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's not a good thing for women. Um, although Kelly, that's what's I, been I think being you preached. Could, I think you have the ability to speak really well into that. Why don't you share what one of your jobs, corporate jobs, are at, or is at Birth Choice? Is or? Is or, yeah. whatever. Well, I also serve as our post-abortion outreach director. Um, and I do that um, because I have abortion in my past. I had an abortion when I was 19. Okay. 
probably about the time Birth Choice was getting started uh-huh. in Jackson. Um, I had no, I, I didn't know anything about a Birth Choice or, and I really, at thinking back on, I really had no idea um, the depth of abortion. The only thing I knew was that I wasn't going to be pregnant anymore. Um, and I was not a believer. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I wasn't in church. Um, very naive to the issue of abortion. And had a, had a co-worker who said, well, here, here's a phone number. Call this place. They'll take care of it for you. Okay. So that's what I did. Um, my boyfriend at the time, I was living in a very um, unhealthy relationship, very abusive, um, into a lot of drugs and alcohol. And so he didn't really force the issue, but he didn't say, let's not do this either. Um, he just basically said, well, you know what we have to do. And just really not having any idea what I was entering into. And so we did. We made the appointment. We went to Memphis to one of the abortion clinics there. It was not Planned Parenthood. Um, it was a private abortion um, clinic. And I remember thinking, although um, I wasn't in church, wasn't raised with God, you know, or, or knowing anything about Christ or anything, I remember thinking through the whole experience that something wasn't normal about it. Okay. Um, just, you know, from the very, you know, walking into the parking lot, having to be escorted in by a police officer. Um, there had been picketing early that morning. And I could not understand, you know, okay, well, what's going on here? Why do these people not like what you're doing? And, of course, there was nobody there. There weren't, like, pro-life tables set up and, you know, or anybody saying this is why they don't like what's going on. Um, so went in, very cold, very dark atmosphere in the abortion clinic. Um, went through the abortion, and at the time, Memphis wouldn't do abortions past 10 weeks. I mean, I hadn't had an ultrasound, didn't know about any of that kind of thing. And so I went in, and the only thing I remember the abortionist said to me was, you almost waited too late. And so obviously I was 10 weeks pregnant. Um, didn't even know what a 10-week-old baby looked like in the womb. And that's how naive I was, really, thinking back on it. I just had no idea. Um, And so we went through the procedure, um, went to recovery. Again, I was asking the nurse because I was experiencing some things that I didn't realize I was going to experience, Um, extreme heavy bleeding and, and hurting, and, you know, what I was told was, oh, that, that's normal. It, it'll be okay. That's normal. And so sat in recovery, stood out on the front porch of that building, I remember, uh, when my boyfriend came to pick me up and just looking him in the eye and saying, this is done and over with, and we'll never talk about this again. And I never did for 17 years. Um, wow. Never talked about it again until then. And then... Funny as it is, you know, I think God has a way of, you know, just knocking on our hearts. And um, so after that, I experienced a lot of emotional um, things going on that I had no idea related to the abortion experience until many, many, many years later. Um, I had no idea why I would cry uncontrollably, um, why I had so much anger um, over... You know, I couldn't pinpoint what was going on. 
um, didn't know why I had such a fear of going to a dentist appointment. Um, and in short, what that has to do with is trigger points mm-hmm. um, from, you know, hearing sounds or things in the dentist office that took me back to the abortion clinic. So it was experience. more of a traumatic experience yes, than you realized? Very yeah. traumatic, emotionally and, and psychologically somewhat. Um, didn't want to be around children. Um, huh. Didn't really want to, you know, very uncomfortable in a baby situation. Um, and I remember after my daughter was born, which I think was the point that still was not a believer at that point, but I think that was the starting point when she was born 26 years ago, that God started the healing process and started to bring me through that over the years. And um, I remember we went to a movie, uh, Chuck Norris movie. Uh, we were living in Colorado at the time. It just come out sidekicks. And there was a pro-life table set up there. And I had no, I didn't know what it was. So I just walked over and I was thinking, oh, well, what is this? And um, immediately I looked down and there's a picture of a 10-week-old baby inside the womb. Hmm. Absolutely fell apart at that movie theater. Had to go to the restroom and sit in the bathroom stall. And still not really understanding why I was experiencing that emotion so much. Um, And it wasn't even until after I came to birth choice that I really even understood it all. Um, And I had been a believer for many years after that. So through the years, um, God called me. I think my daughter was probably eight or nine. One day, God says, I've been a leader in the church, leading women and children and serving and um, became a believer when I was probably when I was about 23. Um, It was after my my daughter, um, after I had my daughter. And um, so God says, well, I want you to go to birth choice course I didn't really have any I was thinking where where's that coming from um I mean I knew of birth toys like many people do um but I was like no I'm I'm, I'm not doing that no and um so he kept saying kept on kept on kept on I'm like I'm not doing that you know because I knew when God called me I knew that this abortion experience is what he was calling out of me and so I thought well what is the church going to think about me you know, if they find out that I had an abortion, you know, I can't tell people that I did that. You know, they're going to look down at me. And so it took God a long time, about four years okay. um, to, to work on me. I ran from that calling. And um, but through growing closer to him and desiring, you know, what he wanted for my life um, and, you know, the partic- partic- particular scripture in Psalm um, I believe it's 4610, um, where he says that to be still yeah. and know that I am God, I will be exalted. And I just kept hearing that from him over and over and over again. And finally, I surrendered um, to that call to come to Birth Choice, and that was 17 years ago. Um, and, you know, he, he definitely has been exalted. Um, but I lead the post-abortion outreach. Because what God has done for me with my abortion experience is he's turned a legacy of life, uh, death into a legacy of life. And I never wanted my abortion experience, as tragic and as horrible as it is, to continually build a legacy of death. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be life in this somewhere. Um, and to experience the complete and whole healing that Christ did in my life with that. Amen. That I could stand before a church and say, this is what I did unashamedly. Um, you know, in hopes that other women um, who have been leaving, living in secret would know, you know, that there's hope. You don't have to live um, in that secrecy. Yeah. And I believe because if you are a believer, um, the enemy is going to work so desperately to use that against you in your life. That's right. And, you know, only Christ can heal that hurt. Only he can. You know, medication can't heal it. All the doctors in the world can't heal it. I mean, I've spoke to countless women who have said, yeah, I've been to counseling. I've been to this. I've taken this. And it is nothing but Christ that heals that scar in your heart. That's right. Um, you know, that wound, um, he doesn't take it away. You know, it's always there. It's a part of who I am. Um, but he, I look at it in a completely different way now. And it's not open and weeping um, and oozing, you know, the blood out sure. of it anymore. So the the ministry that we have within the Birth Choice Ministry, one of them, we have several, it's called the Mercy Ministry. It's an acronym. It stands for Mothers Experiencing Regret for Children of Yesterday. And this is the this thing is that, this the is the post abortion. Yes. Okay. That's right. So it's actually a, an abortion recovery class. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Kelly leads that and does such a super job with it. And you know, I told you earlier that the volunteers we have, if we're looking for Christian volunteer, volunteers, they're going to come out of the the mm-hmm. churches. You know, yeah. it mm-hmm. is remarkable how many of the women. Um, have experienced abortion in their past. These are believers. Most often, it's on the other side of their salvation, but they come out of the churches, and we know that in every one of our trainings, if we train five or six women, at least one um, has had an abortion, and we do require Mm -hmm. them to go through this ministry Kelly leads, just because we know, as she said, we have an enemy. He's the great accuser. He's going Mm -hmm. to be whispering in this woman's ear, if she sits across from a girl considering abortion, He's going to be saying, who are you to tell any woman not to have an abortion? Mm -hmm. And so we require them to go through this healing process. Mm -hmm. And it is my joy to refer these women to Kelly. And she does a super job as she Mm -hmm. takes them through some curriculum, uh, a Bible study that is going to help them find that healing. Mm -hmm. And I see them go in on the front end. And then I see them come out on the other end and the healing they have have experienced. You know, they can be mm-hmm. anywhere in that healing process. I just can't know it when they come to volunteer. Yeah. And so in the interview mm-hmm. process, I, when they tell me, sometimes they, they tell me for the first, I'm the first person they've ever told. Mm-hmm. Or Kelly is the first person that ever knew that this person has, this woman has had an abortion. Wow. Sometimes mm-hmm. only their immediate family knows, maybe their husband. Um and it's that secrecy that that mm-hmm. l- allows Satan to hold yep. hold these women under their thumb. But um, Kelly can tell you more about that program, and I, th- I wish you would because it changes these women's yeah. lives. And it's amazing, you know. And it, it is absolutely nothing of what I do. I'm just a vessel there, you know, that God just works through. Um, but I think it's important to mention that. You know, the women coming out of our churches, we know statistically that one in three women sit in our churches week in and week out that have abortion in their past. 
Okay. And so that's a huge number, but you would never know them. They look like me. They look like Chris. You would you would never know that they have abortion in their past. So one in three, say that again, one in three. One in three women sit in our church pews every week that have abortion in their past. Uh-huh. And, and you would never know. So this is one in three all over the U.S. or one in three sure. just in yep. a church context? Mm-hmm. or Okay. Well, okay. That, what, sixty over 60 million abortions. There's a right. woman attached to all those abortions. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. they fill our churches. Yeah. And a lot of times their abortion was the means through which God yep. led them to himself. You know, a lot of women, um, they I, I believe all the women come in that are experiencing unplanned pregnancies, we believe these are appointments of destiny for yep. these women. Mm-hmm. We believe before we ever put them on our appointment book, God had them, their names written down that they were going to come, and not just come into birth choice, but who's going to meet with that particular woman. And mm-hmm. um, so an unplanned pregnancy can serve as a turning point yep. in a lot of women's lives. Sometimes it's the, it's abortion, the abortion that is mm-hmm. that. And that's why mm-hmm. we have so many women. And, you know, why don't we know that one out of three women have mm-hmm. had, it's not something you're going to sit around and talk about over coffee. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You're just not going to. It's too much shame connected to that, especially for the Christian woman, especially, right. I think, right. for her. And, you know, not every woman who finds healing, you know, God has called to be on a platform to share her abortion everywhere. But I tell these women as they come through the program, you know, the thing that God did for me through... I went through the program. I started as a volunteer, and I went through the Mercy Outreach and then became a leader, um, that he gave me such freedom with my testimony. You know, just a freedom that I cannot even explain, um, and that he can do the same thing for them. That if the opportunity arises that they can share their experience um, or to help somebody, some other woman find, you know, healing from her past experience— um, that's what they do. But these women do. They come out of the churches. Um, and, and you know, there's a place in their heart that's been sealed off because of that, that decision that they made. And God cannot use her um, to the extent that he wants to use her with, you know, that part of her um, story being used by the enemy. I think people um, don't understand that these women are experiencing post-traumatic trauma. Mm-hmm. This is actually what they go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- men will come home for war- from war, and you've seen the movies and you've heard about it, mm-hmm. and they're, they're definitely changed as a result because mm-hmm. they have been forced to kill. And they've been they've seen the horrors mm-hmm. of of war, and it's very and closely related to post traumatic exactly. stress. Well, it's also for a lot of these girls, I would imagine it's the first major life decision that they've ever made. Mm-hmm. That could mm-hmm. very well be true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in mm-hmm. uh, in the in Gibson County, where you said the average age is much lower, mm-hmm. and it's very hard, very difficult for a woman to come to terms with taking the life of her own child. Mm. You know, although she was in a crisis moment, she didn't know what to do, she still took the life of her own child. Right. You know, that God created us, you know, women, to to have children, to nurture them and, you know, protect them and everything like that. And she's gone against every bit of that. So contrary to the way God has created every woman. Mm Yeah, very difficult yes. to come to terms with. Uh-huh. And it's right. a process. It's a journey. 
Um, you know, you, you don't just come one day and, well, I'm done, it's over, and I'm good. And yeah. um, But it's a process, you know. And the, God can so mm-hmm. use that testimony. Mm-hmm. Now, we tell the girls, the women who go through this Bible study, if they're going to go ahead and become client advocates, um, we tell them, you know, um, when you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to share that story, you, you share your story. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit may not lead mm-hmm. you to share that story because sometimes... That girl who is is pursuing abortion, dead set on abortion, um, she can look at that woman who shares her her personal testimony and say, "Well, you turned out all right. I'll be all right, but I have to have an abortion now." So you really need a mm-hmm. sense of the leading of the Holy Spirit to know when mm-hmm. to share a testimony mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes a, it'll work against you. You know, an abortion is so final; you, you never get it back. That's right. You know, some some decisions you make. You can come back from, um, but abortion, you never come, you know, you never get that decision back um, to to do over. Yeah. Um, Do y'all, we don't have to go here if y'all don't want to. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize what the process of abortion actually is. Do y'all want to get into that? Like what actually happens? We can. Is that? I think Um, what we're seeing probably most frequently now is very difficult, different from what we saw in years past. In years past, a lot of surgical abortions. Yeah. Okay. Um, depending on the how far along you are um, and how large the baby is, de- would uh, determine what type of a surgical abortion you would have. Sure. But now we're seeing many, many women um, you, taking the abortion pill, mm-hmm. and they really become detached from the fact. Well, this isn't really an abortion. I mean, I would have to go in and have a surgical abortion. No, no, no. This is not really. I'll just pop a pill. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. actually, it's two pills mm-hmm. that they take. And uh, I, did you happen to see the movie Unplanned? I have not through? seen it, but I've heard yeah. a lot about it. It's well, that's the story of Abby Johnson, um, how mm-hmm. she came out of um, working at abortion clinics, actually yeah. m- directing abortion clinics. Um, but her own personal testimony she shared on there of having um, is it two abortions? Mm-hmm. She had two. One was one was, one was surgical, surgical, one was abortion, abortion pill. pill, and uh, they were very graphic in showing. The abortion pill, um, it's not what, what most women think it is. They don't realize that they will go into um, labor and they will deliver their baby um, maybe in the bathroom at Walmart. Yeah. Maybe, and, and we're talking about labor pains and a lot of blood, and they didn't sugarcoat that at all, which and is really is good in that movie. this is what the pill induces? The pill, yes, yes. Okay. yes. Mm-hmm. So the, is this the thing that you have to take within 10 weeks' time? Or is are we talking about a different? No, pill? that is the pill that's okay. taken in the first. I believe. 10 yeah, weeks. it's the yeah. first ten ten mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. 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 After that, you're not supposed to take it. It has to be surgical. S- yes, supposedly, but sadly, uh, some of these women are buying black market yeah. abortion pills. Oh, okay. And they're trying to abort themselves, mm-hmm. and that could be very, very dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, but even those that are sold are are sold by doctors, or uh, they are selling them, but they're. Yeah. Um, they're getting these abortion pills and thinking this is just taking a pill. It's not going to be, it's not going to be that bad. Not like a real abortion. Real abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but that is what we're predominantly seeing now. And I'm sure, um, the powers of darkness were well aware that they, that more women would start choosing this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we note that 
years ago, we were greatly and vastly outnumbered by the number of abortion clinics in the United States. Okay. Those statistics have flipped completely around. Yeah. And you're hearing ab- abortion clinic after abortion clinic closing. And um, we now outnumber pre- pregnancy clinics like Birth Choice across the nation. There's close to 4,000 of us. We outnumber abortion clinics four to one now, yeah, I did yeah. not which know is that. huge. Okay. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. huge. Um, is the number of abortions countrywide declining? Excuse me, over the years it has declined. We were at the height of abortion, Mm -hmm. 1.6 million plus. And what year was that? That would have been the early 80s, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Maybe late Mm -hmm. 70s. Somewhere in that, you know, half of 70s, half of 80s maybe, we were seeing 1.6. It was huge. We have dropped now, went down to 1.2. Again, you know, it's hard to pull the stats. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. It's, yeah, they're very old stats always. Right. They'll be mm-hmm. several years back. Yeah. But, well, they're um, not required to p- report. No. Yeah. Statistics. I couldn't find anything after 2015. Yeah, yeah it's that, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of hard to know exactly. But we know they are dropping, and um, they're supposed to report the abortion pill usage as well. I don't know if a lot of that w- would go unreported, especially if girls are getting mm-hmm. it black market. But yeah. uh, still... And I think the important the thing about the abortion pill is these women go in and they're not told that you're going to go wherever and you're going to deliver a baby. Sure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then if, if it's not complete, then they have to go back again and have a surgical abortion done. Yeah, that's not um, uncommon. So, because sometimes it may not work. Right. They, and they don't realize, they don't know these things going in. And there, you, um, you know, when you go in and get the abortion pill, you don't, you don't stay then at the abortion clinic. You take that you second take pill home. home with you, hopefully at home. But they've had uh, women die from taking the abortion pill. How common is that? I don't know a statistic on that. And I don't, you know, death... Um, just as we don't want to exaggerate death from abortion, sure. Just as um, the abortionists or the pro-abortion side exaggerated the deaths that resulted from women using coat hangers to abort, you know that is um, that was. There were later mm-hmm. people who came back and said, "Well, that was greatly exaggerated. Right. There really wasn't that many that yeah. did that." Yeah. Well, we're not going to say. Oh, you could die from an abortion. Well, you can, but that's not the primary problem we see. With Mm -hmm. there is problems with bleeding and infection. Yes, there can be extreme problems with perforating the uterus. There's a lot of, and you can die, but that's not primarily what we see of the women who come to us Mm -hmm. who have experienced abortion. Yeah, Um, what we see is usually the emotional and spiritual. Um, consequences yeah. of that decision. Yeah, that's the part I never would have thought about yes. the the emotional side because you're mm-hmm. the whole point is a quick fix, that's right? right? So you yep. think it's a quick fix and then it's mm-hmm. over. But mm-hmm. what you're saying, abortion's is that, not an eraser. Yeah. It can't make that pregnancy go away yeah. forever. And that's what women are hoping that that's yeah. that's going to happen. That mm-hmm. well, I'll just I'll take mm-hmm. this pill or I'll have this abortion, a uh, surgical abortion, and then it's all, mm-hmm. as Kelly said. I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about it ever again, but Mm -hmm. that's the problem. These Mm -hmm. feelings begin to bubble up to Mm -hmm. the, to the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they, they reveal themselves. The, the trauma reveals itself in drug use, alcohol use, um, in and out of unhealthy relationships, depression, um, suicidal, suicidal, just like women have nightmares. You know, it's, it's the same 
you know, side effects mm-hmm. that occur. Um, and, you know, I asked a girl one time years ago, this was back when I was a client advocate and I have, I've been on staff. I was, I volunteered for the first six years of the 30s. So I came on staff after that. So this is an old story. Okay. But this young lady came in and, um, she she didn't stop crying from the time she was in the waiting room till she came and sat down across from me. And she was just visibly very, very upset. And I had asked, I, I, I asked her her name, her dress. I asked her her birth date. And she struggled for a minute. She was just very upset. And, she, um, 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 and then she told me her birth date. So I got down a little further in my questionnaire and I said, so have you ever, ever had an abortion before? She said, yes, to this date and this date. She quoted the dates that quick, Mm -hmm. that fast. And Mm -hmm. then she said, I I asked her, I said, how could you couldn't remember your own birth date, but you can remember those two dates so clearly? She said, I will never in my whole life forget those abortions. And she said, Mm -hmm. I thought this was so sad. She said, I have a reoccurring nightmare. I, I dream it over and over again of a little suitcase sitting by a little grave. And then she's still weeping and weeping. Just so tragic. So tragic. And not wow. all women experience all of those kinds of things. Um, some of the side effects many women experience. But, you know, all women are different. All pregnancies, all, you know, the abortion experience is different. So, but, you know, they're forever changed. Mm-hmm. From that decision. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You guys put a lump in my throat here. <laughs> so what, it, other, what other stories do you all have? Um, well, I, recent I can tell that recent one. This happened mm-hmm. last week. And, and this will let me tell you about another part of our ministry as yep. well. Um, how long has TC been there? Six about as long as I years. have. Mm-hmm. Oh, as the no, men's T- leader? The, about men's, six, about six, six years. years. We mm-hmm. brought um, a man to work with the fathers of the of the clients' babies, our clients, the women, we brought um, him to into ministry, and this was a big step for us because to pay, um, we have one man uh, on staff and yeah. he gets a full time salary, but to bring a second one, that's a big deal. Um, that was pretty costly, but we 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 brought TC on staff to minister to the men, the fathers of the babies, because so many of these girls come in with the father this of the This is one baby. of your other ministries? Yes. yes. Okay. okay. So we have a men's mentoring ministry or a fatherhood okay. program. Okay. Um, I'd like to hear about that. I, I don't want to get well, too this sidetracked. Kinda, this, yeah. well, this will kind of um, lead into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The reason we began this ministry six years ago was we heard a statistic that kind of blew us out of the water. Okay. And, I mean, we've been in ministry a long time there, but this was, we heard that um, when women were surveyed who had abortions in their past, 83% of them said that they would never have chosen abortion had the father of their child given them any kind of support, shown any support Hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of blew us away when we realized 83% wouldn't have had that abortion. And we realized we needed an outreach to men. And we, it was kind of a step of faith that we just said, this has got to turn around. And so we brought TC in. Um, he had been um, part of our ministry for about 10 years prior to that mm-hmm. on a volunteer basis. Godly man. 
um, has a great uh, testimony himself, and um, he and his wife both serve um, on staff at Birth Choice. But um, I can give you a story that just happened last week okay. that really ties into the importance of us ministering to the men as well. We had a couple come in, very abortion-minded. I had already gotten word. It was uh, Wednesday. We were having staff meeting is when this We were, this and let, and d- let me note, things were chaotic when we got to the office. Oh, the they were. The computer up front wouldn't work. <laughs> um, That's there was right. no reason for it to not work. Everybody was just like, okay, but th- this is just not going just well already at 9 o'clock. <laughs> These yeah. very um, abortion-minded clients were now they're here. waiting. Yeah. And then we had staff meeting. Exactly. And this was, I went up front right before staff meeting. And Brent, who has, he's been our, you know, he's our founder. He's been there all these years. Right. And he's sitting, he's our, he's our uh, home IT guy, I guess. He gets stuck with all the compute, dealing with all the computers. He's trying to get this computer started. And our, one of our receptionists, her name is Renee. She's standing there wringing her hands because we can't wait on the people waiting, you know, in the waiting room and until we get the scheduler pulled up. Yeah. And so she's kind of wringing her hands, and then she goes, wait. She goes, I'm going to tell you something. Everything is going wrong this morning. There is going to be some great work for the kingdom today. I can tell you, <laughs> because the devil doesn't like what we're doing. Well, anyway, we all ended up back in um, for staff meeting, and TC, though, had been called out because this young lady who was was considering abortion, strongly considering abortion, um, her her boyfriend was with her, the father of her child. Okay. So that's TC's cue to take this young man back into another room while a client advocate meets with the young lady. All right? So okay. that's TC's job. All right. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the room, and he begins to find out a little bit about this guy. And he's saying... Well, we just we got to have an abortion. I mean, you know, this was not expected. Um, we got all this going on and that going on, and and we just we need to get an abortion. And the same thing conversation is basically going on with the young woman as okay. well in another room. So, uh, TC proceeds to share his story, and TC has abortion in his past mm-hmm. as well. Okay, one of his children, against his will, um, uh, was aborted. And he said, you need to know what abortion can do even to a man because men can have Mm -hmm. emotional consequences after abortion as well. So TC shared his story with this young man and the young man got very excited and said, I've got to talk to my girlfriend. I've got to talk to her now. Please take me to her. We can't have this abortion. Hmm. So TC took the young man into where the young lady was, he, he they opened the door, he ran in, interrupted the conversation going <laughs> on, and he said, we can't do this. We can't have this abortion. And the young lady looked at him and said, I can't do it either. Now, this, this kind of supports our 83%. She yeah. was willing mm-hmm. to go through yeah. with this. But he's come in, he says, we can't do this. She says, I can't either. They both burst into tears. <laughs> 
the client advocate had to leave the room because she was crying too. <laughs> wow. And TC, they went on into ultrasound and got to see their baby okay. mm-hmm. in the womb. Wow. It was a pretty cool story. Yeah. They are cool. now um, planning to parent mm-hmm. their child. And TC mm-hmm. came back into staff meeting and he just had to interrupt and he says, You got to know what just happened yeah. because we were already praying for the abortion-minded mm-hmm. client. So it was a pretty, cool, pretty yeah. cool story. That's awesome. And I will, you know, I have worked with one particular um, woman before for post-abortion healing, and she did, as she was telling me her abortion story, It she was married, and it was her and her husband's child, and she was telling me about sitting in the abortion clinic. He was sitting right next to her, and she was explaining to me and weeping, crying, you know, I just, I wanted him to rescue me. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to say something to rescue me, and he never did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she w- went through with the abortion. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, both of them are post-abortive. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. So there's been a recurring theme lately with the past few episodes of this podcast, and I don't mean for there to be themes between the conversations, <laughs> but it just kind of happens. And one theme that, that's been showing up has been responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you said it's surprising how the, the, the men can be affected mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. this experience, mm-hmm. I think it's an issue of responsibility. You know, we, sure we, are, we are supposed to be, uh, it, it's not, it's not a matter of finding the most freedom we can find. Freedom is only one part of the equation. The other half is, is, the pursuit of responsibility in your life. And that's what children call out of you. That's right. Right. So, you know, in, in my, in my own life, you know, my wife and I, we got married, I think younger than the average marriage age. Um, but we were very willing to embrace the changing responsibilities that would come Mm -hmm. with having children. Mm -hmm. That was something that we wanted to pursue. Um, and so that's just, that's just something that's going through my head while y'all are talking is mm-hmm. the, the importance of not trying to minimize the one, the consequences of your decisions, but also the, the, the pursuit of the meaningfulness and the fulfillment that comes from responsibility in your that's life. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. Because, um, as, we just were saying that God created women. They have this innate, innate need to nurture. Mm-hmm. And when a woman aborts her child, she turns that upside down. Yeah. And that is really one of the reasons I think it comes back so strongly to haunt her after that mm-hmm. abortion. But the man in the equation, he was created to be the protector and the provider. And we have a lot of fatherlessness in our society now. Yeah. And and that's very tragic. Mm-hmm. And I think it can disconnect a lot of men from that responsibility factor because they didn't grow up with a father in their home. They didn't see it as the norm. And so they don't feel that uh, need to be responsible yeah. just to, they just want to escape the consequences. Right. And when they end up aborting children, then they have that remorse that I didn't protect my child. Yeah. I, that's how abortion can affect them. Mm-hmm. I didn't provide for my child. Um, and they're told that they don't have a choice in the matter. 
Yeah. You know, society has told them you That's don't right. have a choice. This is her choice. It's all about the woman. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she can decide to do this with or without, yeah. you know, you, you know, deciding. Sure. And I think it's important to note that not only men, women, abortion affects everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it affects the mother, the father, the whole family. You know, there's grandparents. It affects the community mm-hmm. um, That's around exactly you. Right. Well, it's uh, affected our nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 60, over 60 million citizens of the United States have yeah. been aborted. They're not here to pay into taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, up, it's been an upheaval in our, our, mm-hmm. um, our society yeah. um, as a result, our American mm-hmm. culture. It's yeah. changed the face of it. And then we know abortion has a rippling effect. Yeah. It, 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 it affects every family member. And just like she said, then that rippling effect goes out and ultimately affects mm-hmm. our country. Yeah. And we don't, th- you know, we don't think about that. We think, yeah, the man, the mother, the father, but their siblings involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned the grandparents. They've lost a grandchild. Um, sometimes it's the grandparent wanting the girl to have an abortion. Sometimes it's the mother wanting to have mm-hmm. the girl that's to have right. it. That's right. Um, not realizing that that's going to be a loss for them that they have to deal with, too. Right. They don't want their child. This, this a woman, very often we see women come in. It's their daughter, teenager. They bring that daughter in, and she is not going to be saddled. She's going to college. She is not going to be saddled with a child. We're not going to have this. Um, and they have no focus on the fact this is their own grandchild. Yeah. Um, but the other part of that is very often when a woman, um, a mother, is pushing her child into an abortion, um, a wall is going to build. Yeah between her and her daughter that may never come down. Yeah. And they they're doing the exact opposite of what they really set out to do to protect mm-hmm. the child. Yeah. Um they think that's going to that's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Does not. No. So do y'all have I know this is off the top of your heads, but do y'all have any other memorable stories from the past however many years? I can think of one um, in particular, I think, that I will never forget. Okay. Um, Gibson County, we had a client that that came in, um, have never had a client like this before, before her or since her. Um, Extremely angry. I mean, extremely angry. Have never seen such anger um, in, in somebody. And this points to the fact that abortion is a very selfish decision. And if you focus on the baby and not the woman, she's most likely going to abort. Uh Um, If she's already abortion determined, um, because she already doesn't want that baby. And she doesn't want you talking about that baby. This is why we're Uh woman-focused. This is the point of Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, Um, We couldn't even get any paperwork filled out on her. That's how um, extreme the the circumstances were. Um, But she, she came in... We sat down with her. I mean, she yelled and cussed and called that baby every name in the book. Um, you know, we just went with the appointment the best we could, and she left, and the client did have an abortion. Okay. She did go for the abortion. Um, but after, she came back. Um, and this is a lot of what people don't know. You know, even, even if they abort you know, we're still going to be there for them, you know, regardless of their decision. Um, So she comes back because she's wanting follow-up care, which we don't do at birth choice um, after abortions. Um, But she was not told that she was going to need follow-up care until after Mm. she got home and read. She didn't get the paperwork 
and her little bag of information till she left the clinic that day and found out what she needed aftercare. Yeah. But um, they don't do that at the abortion. They don't clinic. do that. Okay. Um, and so she came back to us and I'll never forget what she said. Um, cause we asked her, well, why didn't you contact the abortion clinic or, you know, um, another doctor or somebody? Cause we, we can't, we don't do that. Um, and she said, I came back to you all because I knew that you cared. Hmm. Um, that I knew that you cared, even through all of the, the chaos, you know, the, the cussing and the yelling, the anger, um, you know, we just, we just did what we knew God called us to do. And, you know, she came back and knew that we cared for her, um, you know, and, and that goes back to the fact that we know that, um, our responsibility is not to save that child, we can't do that. We, yeah. we can't make that choice for that woman any more than we can make that choice um, of salvation for her. We can't save her soul. We can't save her baby. Those things, that's God's work, mm-hmm. not ours. But we're going to give truth, and we're going to give it in a very loving way. Yeah. And sometimes it does mean just sitting there and taking a cussing. Mm-hmm. Uh Thankfully, that doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> Most of the girls are very appreciative of yeah. everything. You, oh, mm-hmm. I told, we told you about the exit interviews. They're very appreciative. Yeah. But sometimes we do have that particular client, and uh, yet she knew she couldn't go back to the abortion clinic. She was not treated that way there, but she was loved on at, at our clinic. Yeah. Well, that's very that's very countercultural in a good way. Mm-hmm. I mean, combining truth and love like that doesn't mm-hmm. happen often. Mm-hmm. People people in society think that that truth is unloving. Oh that, man, yes. You know, that yes. People in this just, postmodern world we live yeah, in, you're exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So like, you know, if you a lot of a lot of counseling services they just agree with whatever you tell them mm-hmm. and they help you I just kind of stay yourself, whatever yourself right. is. You know, what right. does that even mean? Right. Um mm-hmm. but be true to yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, there's you're way right. more to life than that. It's very different. and But yeah. we've been doing this now for 30 years, and um, it has always been, um, we look back at all the training we've done for our, our client advocates across the years, and that is the key, um, is teaching each of these advocates um, your job. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't be focused on that baby. She's denying that baby. She She doesn't want to hear about a baby. She needs to know that you care about her. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, she has to make that decision anyway. Yes, we give them truth. We'll talk to them about abortion procedures. We'll talk to them about the option of adoption. We'll talk to them about parenting that child. But um, she has to make that decision, and we can't mm-hmm. change um, change her mind or we can't change her choices. Even when it comes to her lifestyle, yes, we would prefer that that she not be living the particular lifestyle. Yeah. But our preferences are not the point here. What the point is, is God's truth. What yeah. what does God teach? And then we um, will share that with her, and we focus on her. And she knows when she leaves, that's why we get so many comments, nobody mm-hmm. judged me, I felt safe there, you mm-hmm. loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we love to hear that because mm-hmm. we know we're doing our job. At yeah. that point, we're doing yeah. our job. Yeah. That's huge. It is. There's a way to share objective truth. That's right. In in a way that people don't feel 
judged by. That's exactly like, right. There, there mm-hmm. is a way to do that. And yes, it's, it it's hard, mm-hmm. but that's the way to go. It yeah. is. And that's why we um, we tell our advocates as, as we train them, um, if you have an intimate relationship with Christ, if you know the Word of God, yeah. and this is what we're looking for in all of our, mm-hmm. our advocates, um, you are already equipped to do this yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. And um, yes, we're going to teach you how to do this and that. We're, I mean, what we teach is important, mm-hmm. but nothing is as important as you going in and sitting across from that girl and her looking at you and seeing Christ. Mm-hmm. That's our goal always. Yeah. And it is amazing. Um, when that happens, we see if 10 women will come in in a week planning to abort their child, eight of them will change their mind. Mm-hmm. Eight of them. Eight, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing 75 to 80% of all mm-hmm. our, our clients who come in abortion determined mm-hmm. are walking out going, I can't have an abortion now. Mm-hmm. And it's because we, we, we want to walk through her through, through the pregnancy with her, yeah. and we're going to support her. We've always done that, but um, now with the technology of ultrasound, it's kept our statistics mm-hmm. up where they were because uh-huh. this culture of death, they need to see that baby and realize mm-hmm. that is my baby. Yeah. And I, the, the tears that run down their faces when that baby comes on screen, yeah. um, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And so we, um, I guess you can tell we kind of love what we do. <laughs> and we do have a lot of longevity. Kelly said she's been how many years? 17 years. Yeah. Our staff has been 30 years. Some yes. of our volunteers have been 25 30. 20, you know, we just, it's, we have longevity, but... Um, it's a good sign. It, yeah, it is. It well, is. Well, it's amazing to see the, the women that God brings to minister oh, to the it community. Is. It is. I mean, they, as we just sit back and we watch God use them in, in the counseling room, um, you know, we get the opportunity, too, to minister to them. Mm-hmm. You know, birth choice is as much for our volunteers yes. that come and Absolutely. the staff yeah. mm-hmm. as it is for the women that, that we serve. Yes. Um, so yeah. it, it's amazing to watch the divine appointments that come out of it. One thing that um, we need to mention that we do as well, um, we have a parenting mm-hmm. classes for our our new moms. So you've got you've got a post-abortion. That's our mercy class, ministry, and then yes. you've got something for the men. Yes, that's our fatherhood mm-hmm. ministry. And now, what's this one? This is called our Esther program, okay. and uh, Esther's. We love acronyms. Uh, <laughs> it stands for establishing spiritual truths. Helps to encourage responsibility. There's your responsibility right. word mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we want these women that come into this program. Um, we have uh, teachers that love on them, and um, they're going to learn through videos, through worksheets, through all kinds of, you know, um, pamphlets and so forth, education mm-hmm. material, how to be good moms, how to take care of themselves while they're pregnant, what the birthing. We have uh, prenatal, um, excuse me, um, childbirth classes, breastfeeding classes. We have these available for the girls as well. And uh, we also have a set of classes called Life Choices that teaches them to make hopefully better decisions, uh, especially regarding their relationships. Um, So all of these come together to form uh, the Esther program. And we chose Esther, the Esther out Mm -hmm. of the Bible, uh, specifically because, um, you know, she was a woman that God called um, to make a difference for her people, to change the course of history. 
yeah. uh, for her people. And that is what these ladies, we believe, are doing when um, they are. we can help them to learn. Um, the, these, uh, these classes also include Bible studies. Um, some of these women have never done Bible study. They've never had Bibles. All of our clients get Bibles. Whether they go through the program or not, we give them Bibles mm-hmm. and, and share the gospel with them. But um, they use these Bibles now to study uh, primarily women of the Bible, um, and women who found forgiveness. And um, so they're, we're learning, we're just showing them how to use a Bible. And a lot of times we, we like the exit interviews, even with these classes. Mm-hmm. I like to see what they say when they come out of the class. Mm-hmm. And they'll say things like, I loved being with other women who are going through the same thing I'm going through. Or I loved uh, learning about the Bible. I didn't know these things. So we're inst- mm-hmm. these teachers are instilling the Word of God in them as they equip them to be new moms. Yeah. And then as they go through these classes, they earn what we call mommy money. Um, it's like uh, Monopoly money. But everything, um, everything they do, they can earn. It's an earn-while-you-learn program. Okay. So if they come on time, that's teaching responsibility. They earn a little money as they complete classwork they earn some mommy money. As they complete homework, they earn mommy money. And listen, they can amass several thousand dollars mm-hmm. real okay. quick. Right. And then we have a room, a, both of our offices has a, a client resource room um, where they can shop then and purchase things for their babies. Wow. Anything their baby mm-hmm. needs from diapers and wipes to formula Furniture. to baby car seats and cribs, and we keep those on hand for them. There's a a price attached to them. And they feel, you know, we're not a handout. We're a hand up. And they feel so good. They have worked now to earn this money, mommy money, and um, they feel very good about them being able to purchase things for their babies to create their own layette. Um, uh, for their children. Yeah. Well, that's, that's brilliant because you're, you're helping them, but it's in a way that they, that they're kind of in control of. That's right. That's that's, it's tangible for them. Right. And, um, they, they just have great satisfaction. And, uh, we even have, we have a lady there that does nothing but, uh, shop with these women. They schedule shopping appointments. And we started this a few years back. Um, they come in at a specific time okay. that they have scheduled okay. to shop. 30-minute intervals. They can shop till they drop That's or awesome. at least until the 30 minutes is over. <laughs> yeah. And this lady that will work with them, that's her part of the ministry. Her, mm-hmm. She's a volunteer, and she just loves on them while they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can walk through and see this lady praying for these girls, maybe uh-huh. holding their hands because that some need has come up or they're praying for their child. Maybe their baby's getting ready to be born. So this is her part of the ministry, and then she's assisting her as she shops. Yeah. So that's a that's a very important part of what we do. That's really cool. It is, cool. absolutely. Yeah, it is, it is. And oh. we do have a lot of women who have changed their mind. They were going to abort their child, mm-hmm. but they've changed their mind. And now they're going through this program, learning how to be a good mom. Uh-huh. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And and we keep the program. You know, some of the centers have done away with their resource right. room, but we keep ours because we know that one of the reasons that women give for having an abortion is the material need. Yeah. Um, so they don't have enough money. Yeah, to buy uh, to, to buy, to buy things. the things yeah. the baby yeah. needs. Maybe they're saying they don't have a support system. Yeah. Well, they're right there with other women. They have a mm-hmm. teacher that they can lean on, and they know that. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so they have a support system now that they didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. And then very often they just say, I'm really young. I, I don't know how to take care of a baby. Well, they're going to learn in uh-huh. these classes. Yeah. And so 
um, by equipping them in this way, we see women that we're answering some of the reasons that they said, I have to have an abortion. We're meeting that need. So we've kept our our classes and our material goods uh, for them just because we think it speaks life into their lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you, I think you already kind of answered this, but I wanted to ask you guys. Um, so the, ba- the baby bottle thing, the mm-hmm. annual fundraiser mm-hmm. that yeah, y'all do, yeah. what actually does that money go towards? Well, we, we have three major fundraisers, Birth Choice does. Okay. Our largest fundraiser is our annual banquet that takes place in, in August, and we have um, a speaker who will come and address the abortion issue from their particular background, usually is how that works. And uh, so we raise larger sums of money from that. Uh-huh. Um, we also have a Walk for Life that's coming up in October. Um, what's that date? October, October 5th. 5th okay. um, is a Walk for Life. We hold that at West Jackson Baptist Church. Okay. Um, and that will generate funds for the ministry. Um, the baby bottle fun, uh, uh, campaign that you're yeah. talking about, it's so simple, and yet it's so successful. We just ask churches to take baby bottles, right. to fill them with some loose mm-hmm. chi- loose change, uh-huh. and bring them back. It goes from, they get the bottles on Mother's Day, they bring them back on Father's Day, and that's so effective. It's effective to the tune of this year, $64,000 raised with coins mm-hmm. and a few change. dollars. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. That people don't usually miss. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty, yeah. pretty cool way to... To fund the ministry, yeah. Well, but, and it's memorable too. It is memorable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. they have they yeah. have. It's tangible. It's really great for little kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the parents will bring it out during family devotionals or at a meal, and they will pray mm-hmm. for a baby. You know, um, yeah. born through the birth mm-hmm. choice ministry. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these funds go towards the general budget. Yes. Okay. Um, so we, you know, I was thinking while while we we're right before you asked that question that we needed to go over um, that we are a nonprofit yes. okay. medical clinic. No government we, funding. We do not take any government funding. Um, That's good for people to know. Yeah, because yeah. obviously, for the obvious reasons, because we would probably be forced to refer for abortion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we wouldn't be able to share Christ with people. Right. And um, there's a lot of government strings attached to money. Yes. And I heard it well said one time when, when another nonprofit organization said we— that they take no, well, actually it's a Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, and they said we take no government funding because we will not, uh, we will not raise children Caesar's way. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty, pretty good, it, and it, it pretty much yeah. explains why we yeah. will not. Mm-hmm. But the community is so generous. The yeah. Christian community is so generous uh, in in Jackson and in the Gibson County area. Um, and that's what they they donate. All the items that go yeah. into our resource room. Yeah. Those are okay. donated, donated items. Yeah. Okay. Gently the used. They'll bring them or they'll mm-hmm. throw baby showers for birth choice. We had yeah. some kids. It's coming out in our newsletter this year. I mean, this quarter, they did um, a lemonade stand, stand and they raised over $240 by putting a big baby bottle and ask <laughs> okay. people, we're not charging a certain amount. You just give t- to Birth Choice if you want some lemonade. Uh-huh. That was mm-hmm. so sweet. And, and we've got mm-hmm. pictures in our newsletter coming out this time, yeah. um, wow. them so trying the, to raise money that way. Yeah, so the baby bottle money and our fundraising money goes into the general budget. So we're solely supported by churches, um, donations, you know, and then the our community. fundraisers, mm-hmm. and then the community donating 
And then, of course, our volunteers who volunteer their time right. every week. But something really important that we need to share, if, yep. we're, if our time is running out here, we need to share. Um, we're very excited. Um, yep. You know, back in 2000, when we began to offer medical services uh, and became medical clinics, um, that was a huge step for us. But we now are stepping out and doing something else that we never knew we would do, but God has led us to do. Uh, we heard a statistic that um, women will drive for an abortion one to three hours. They'll drive that distance. Okay. They'll only drive about 30 minutes to get to a pregnancy clinic. Huh. Then that caused us to begin to research on which counties in Tennessee, we have 95 counties, right. which counties in Tennessee... Um, have the highest abortion rates. And what we found kind of left us with our jaws mm-hmm. on the floor. Um, but the three top out of 95 counties in Tennessee, Haywood, Hardeman, and Fayette counties. All right. All bordering yeah. Madison. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, Lord. These what people do do? probably won't drive that far uh-huh. to us. How do we keep them from driving to Memphis an hour, hour and a half away? And God gave us um, the answer uh, th- uh, that we were going to um, open another clinic. Exactly. That's very good. But this clinic is on wheels. And we are <laughs> taking clinic. ultrasound mm-hmm. and pregnancy testing to the women of those counties. And um, Is this a bus? It is a... Um, what would you call it? It's a bit large, oversized van type van. situation. Okay. Lots of, very roomy and very beautiful. I wish we brought a picture inside and out. It's on a Mercedes cha- uh, chassis, so that'll okay. let you know this is this is all done first mm-hmm. class. Yeah, yeah. Um, this company has already, we, we're going with a company called Save the Storks. Okay. And this was begun by someone who, he was a bit of an entrepreneur, and he, when he realized the importance of um, reaching out to women that are um, considering abortion, especially those that might not get to our yeah. clinics, our brick-and-mortar clinics, um, that he began this project, uh, and it's called uh, Save the Storks, and it's, um, they build these mobile units for specific ministries. Now, it's not a cheap build. Um, our I'm unit, assuming it includes an ultrasound. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Without the ultrasound, uh, we raised $155,000 this year to purchase that unit. It's being built now as okay. we speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ultrasound, uh, we are so excited. The Knights of Columbus in the Catholic Church. Okay. They provided uh, $25,000 to purchase the ultrasound machine that is going to go on that cl- uh, mobile unit. And we should have it the very end of this year or the uh, January of next year. And we are going to staff it with a nurse and an advocate, a client advocate. Mm-hmm. And they are going to, we're, we're looking for men that might, especially retired men that might be able to drive the unit for us. Yeah. And take it to the different counties, and we set up and we take walk-ins or scheduled appointments, mm-hmm. and uh, we're t- taking ultrasound to the women, yep. taking pregnancy testing to the women, we're very taking excited. God's taking God's mm-hmm. message, mm-hmm. Um, the gospel to these mm-hmm. women, yeah. and um, so share how the counties rank that we didn't know beforehand um, with abortions. 
when we were looking the, at the 95 counties. Right. The three counties that we... Those three counties, yes. Hay, the, what was Haywood, Haywood, Fayette... And Hardeman, and Hardeman. Ranked third, fourth, and fifth in highest number of abortions. In out of all 95 out of, counties. Out of 95 counties. 95 counties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They rank that high. And, and our proximity to Memphis is, is the reason, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And the fact that they're not coming to, to any of our brick-and-mortar mm-hmm. clinics. They are uh, underserved Those uh, Those areas. are third, fourth, and fifth? Mm-hmm. What is I'm first not, and I'm second? Sure, I am not sure the exact order. I'm sorry. I'm I can't. not sure of the order, but I'm guessing probably Memphis or Nashville would rank. Yeah, first yeah. Second, yeah first and the second, one and two. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, we're so excited about this. I mean, God. We are. And the neat thing was this year when that devastating news came out on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade about New York's governor signing in uh, to law that they can have full term abortions. Yeah. It woke up the sleeping giant, like we talked about, and I, I mentioned that volunteerism through the roof, donations through the roof. This was a really good year to fund a mobile mm-hmm. unit mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people are mad. Mm-hmm. They're waking mm-hmm. up. And, yeah. you know, I think the church over 46 years has been lulled into complacency. Some churches in some areas, they're like, what am I going to do? I This is... 60 million babies. How can I stop this? It's like using a squirt gun to put out an inferno. Sure. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is we're meeting these girls one-on-one and we're changing um, the abortion statistics that have come way down. We're saving one precious life at a time. And then we move to the mm-hmm. next precious life mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. next precious life. And right now, we just checked our stats this morning, mm-hmm. and um, uh, since yesterday, 86 babies have been saved from abortion through the Birth Choice Ministries. Wow. From January. From January until yesterday. Yeah. Wow. 86. Okay. Yeah. And something I think is just as important. Can you read that? <laughs> holding my face. Oh, sorry. We're getting old, both of us. Five, 551. 551 times the gospel has been shared to our clients, mm-hmm. wow. to, to the men and women who have come to birth choice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We have planted seeds. Yep. So there yeah. you go, yeah. Satan. There you go. <laughs> and I we'll think be, we, we'll yeah. be in his face <laughs> yeah. over that. Yeah. And we talked about the whole New York thing, but I, I think, too, the movie Unplanned yes, that has was had a, big... a huge impact. That one was really interesting. Um, do you guys know that uh, Twitter tried to mm-hmm. get rid of their account? Mm-hmm. All Absolutely. That, stuff that, yeah, that Absolutely. was really interesting watching that happen. And the thing about the movie was that Abby wrote her book several years ago, uh-huh. and they had the movie, but they testified that God just kept telling them to wait. To wait, to wait, and then when New York, that's right, anna- made their announcement, he said, yeah. "Okay, now it's time." That this the movie comes along. It's like icing on the cake yep. for what happened in New York, and all we can say is, "What man meant for evil, yep, God meant for good." Mm. I mean, the tech, just the technology of ultrasound um, that we got nineteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, That is such a powerful tool for us. The abortion clinics, though, were using it for decades before we ever got it at the pregnancy clinics. They were using it to locate the body of the child and make sure all body parts were removed Mm -hmm. as they performed the abortions. Mm -hmm. That's actually, you can see that on Unplanned. You can get just a little bit of that on Unplanned. They get pretty graphic on it. And I think, you know, and what we hear from the volunteers that come after that movie was that, 
you know, I, I didn't know. I, I just, I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, um, the level of what abortion is. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's why I wanted to talk about that, is that mm-hmm. I, it's important to get past the sterile words. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. and the, the sound bite answers. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why I really like this podcast format, is we can talk for now almost two hours. And <gasps> Are really, you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, my word. And ha- yeah, we're at an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, and, no. and really And really hash out... Yeah, mm-hmm. you know the yeah. the, the detailed mm-hmm. stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, do we have time to cover adoption, or is that too big a topic now to get to? If y'all need to head out, that's fine. No, we can we, we can, can cover mm-hmm. adoption. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So out, out of out of the women who who come to your clinic, how many of them end up going the adoption route? I wish I could tell you that every woman that was considering abortion changed her mind and chose to make an adoption plan yeah. for her child. That's just not the case. Um, you know, the women come to us, uh, between 750 and 800 women we'll see this year. So they come in. They don't say, I'm here to kill my baby, or I, I need, I want to kill my baby. That's why I've come to get, you know, an ultrasound. Sure. That's not it. They don't want to be pregnant. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, to place or make an adoption plan or place a child for adoption, you have to be pregnant yeah, all nine months. Right, and right. that's what they'll say. Well, if I'm going to carry this baby nine months, I'm just going to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or they'll say, if I carry this baby nine months, I can't give it away. Right. I would yeah. love it too much. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have an abortion. And then so we'll try to repeat back. So, okay, so let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying that if you carried your baby nine months, you would love it. You couldn't give it away. So you're making plans to end the life of your child now? And I have heard that happen on a phone call with a girl scheduling an appointment. And I heard the receptionist make that statement. Yeah. So you're going to end the life of your child instead because you would love it too much to give it away? And the girl's response was silence. And then she said, well, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> See, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's they exactly don't. They're the just problem. in so f- in that tunnel. It's very tunnel. They're just scared. Very mm-hmm. tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and they don't want to be pregnant. We may see. This is very sad. Three to five girls choose adoption each year. However, okay. okay. However, remember, seventy-five to eighty percent that we're pl- we only offer that to girls who are going to abort in the first place. Yeah they will change their mind and choose life. Yeah. So yeah. then they usually choose to parent that child. And very often that's exactly what they needed to do um, in the first place was to have that baby. And, you know, it's so funny. I, I've met tons of women, I can't even tell you how many, who aborted their children and they mm-hmm. regretted it. But I've never met a woman who had her child and regretted it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So if they come in and they they want to seek out an adoption mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. we do help equip them Absolutely. with that. We're not an adoption agent, a licensed adoption agency, but we do work with several uh, many adoption agencies um, around, and we will we we give them all the resources mm-hmm. that they need. Um, to get them to those adoption right. clinics mm-hmm. um, to start that plan with them. That's right. Um, and then if they change their mind, you know, we'll take them back and minister to them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
do you know off the top of your head what adoption looks like countrywide right now? I mean, how many adoptions happen? Hmm. I don't know. I know this is off the top of your head. So yeah, that, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I could give... Uh, your adoption agencies would be able to give better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because we're really on the... Yeah. We see ourselves as the MASH unit. You know, we... We're, we're here to stop the hemorrhaging right, and then send right. them on, hopefully, yeah. to an adoption agency or to the church to pick up and, and help put the pieces back together. We're kind of the mash unit just trying to deal with the immediate issues of right. crisis right. in this woman's life. Yeah. And that is what we do. But yeah. it, you know what? It, it, sometimes it's heartbreaking um, because we, we hear some really sad stories, really yeah. tragic things. But I tell you, overall... It's extremely yeah. rewarding. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I thought yeah, of a, a, a story um, that dates back probably about 18, 19 years ago now um, of a young woman who came in uh, to the office. She was insisting on having an abortion. Um, she knows we're not an abortion clinic, but um, she came in to get a pregnancy test just to verify, and she was going to abort that child. So uh, she met with one of our uh, older client advocates. Um, now that I think about it, she was probably my age right now, but she seemed older to, to me at the time. Okay. And uh, the, um, this young lady actually shared her testimony at one of our banquets by way of video um, because her side of the story was, because I didn't really know what happened in that room behind a closed door, but she said... Um, I had forgotten my glasses that day, and I couldn't see the video I was watching on the screen. So I, I got down on the floor and sat on the floor, and my advocate got down on the floor, and she was a grandma, but she got down on the floor and sat next, with me, next to me as we watched it, and we both even cried together. And she said, the reason I changed my mind, you know, she said, I was struggling with some drug problems. I had a son that was a couple of years old. My parents were taking care of him because I was, I had this drug issue. Uh, that's why, why she wanted an abortion in the first place. And so she said, um, uh, I, I watched that video. I talked with this lady and she just loved me so well. Um, I changed my mind. And I remember personally um, the day that... This young woman walked in our front door. I just happened to be up front for whatever reason. And she held up her baby, mm-hmm. beautiful little girl. And she said, do you see this baby? <laughs> this is what I would have missed. I love her so much. And I named her Grace. Well, that was a beautiful story. But almost by accident, um, I was on the radio, a radio station, oh, probably about three or four years ago. Okay. And um, someone heard me speaking, and I shared this exact story. And the, a lady who was listening picked up the phone and called this young woman. Her name was Patricia. I can share that because she has shared it with our um, mm-hmm. audiences at our banquets. Yeah. Um, she said... I, I didn't give her name Patricia at that time. I just said, this young woman chose life and named her baby Grace. And she said, I think they're talking about you, Patricia. And Patricia called the office. I got in touch. I was able to get in touch with Patricia. <laughs> this was 16 years later. So I'm talking with her, and she said, can I call you back when I get home? Gracie is driving, and she's just got her permit, and I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous. 
And I went, oh, my goodness, Gracie, this mm-hmm. is the baby saved from abortion 16 years earlier because mm-hmm. that advocate sat in the floor and cried with this young woman. And um, she had since, she put herself in rehab. She she cleaned up her life. She the, This advocate had called and checked on her. She got both of her, she got her older son back. She was working hard um, to to raise them and care for them. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. I'm back in touch with, with Gracie, her daughter, and she agreed, Patricia, the mom, and Gracie came, and they shared their testimony again by way of video. Okay. And we heard from our <laughs> first baby who would have been aborted. And she s- sat on that, in that chair next to her mom, beautiful young girl, looking at her mom, and her mom saying, see what I would have, would have lost if I had not mm-hmm. come to birth choice. And Gracie looking at her mom saying, I love you so much, mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about a tearjerker. Yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. was precious. So we got the, um, the rest of the story mm-hmm. um, after that. Mm-hmm. Really exciting. But, uh, you know, I, we, I heard a quote once, and I think it's really powerful. Um, when one child is aborted... Every generation that would have followed that child will be aborted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But when one lost. child is saved, mm-hmm. all the generations that followed that child are saved. Yeah. Well, that was absolutely mm-hmm. true, true in Patricia's uh, yeah. story. Yeah. And little Gracie came out of that. Uh, just a mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. testimony. Mm-hmm. Y'all are doing great work. Thank you. Well, we thank, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. That's God. Yeah. Yeah. That is all yeah. God. Yeah. We're yeah. just mm-hmm. hopefully his instruments. Well, I'm really grateful that y'all sat down with me and shared what's going on. And I think everybody else listening in will be really encouraged by this conversation. So, well, yeah. thank you. Is for there anything us. else that y'all would like to end on? We are. I don't know. I just realized we've talked so long, my mouth is dry. Okay. And, and, and I don't know if I could get anything else out or not. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm betting you can. <laughs> well, again, thank y'all for your time. Oh, I really appreciate you. it. Absolutely. So, thank you for yeah. having us. Connor, it was great to be here. All right, signing out.